tennis fans, and welcome to yet another edition of Matchpoint Canada. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Matchpoint Can. We're on Instagram at Matchpoint Canada. We are the official podcast of Tennis Canada, also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Well, we continue to try and get creative under lockdown given this coronavirus pandemic. And on this week's episode, we are very excited uh, to check in with Canadian doubles player Sharon Fishman. We're also going to chat with a few of our fans to uh, see how they are coping without the tennis and break down the latest news in the world of tennis. Uh, and Mike, you know, we, we, as I said, we have to get creative uh, during this time, but uh, you were fortunate to have a great, great time chatting with uh, Sharon Fishman. Hey, creativity is no issue for us right now, Ben. I've got all this extra time where I can think of new things I want to talk about on the podcast and, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to settle into like a routine in this new world that we're living in and uh, trying to find small victories every day to uh, keep a positive attitude, which can be challenging at times. And uh, while I've always enjoyed recording the podcast with you, I feel like the interviews now are just um, uh, resonating a little bit more on a personal level because regardless of who we're talking to, we now share all of us this new common ground where I can relate to professional tennis players or coaches or whoever might be on the other end of the line because, you know, never did I think we'd be going through a situation like this where it doesn't matter your sort of status in society, the job you have or, or where you've been or grown up or where you live. We're, we're all going through this sort of common experience together. And uh, that, that really hit home for me today as I was talking to Sharon Fish and even before hitting record, and I'm talking to her about my 93-year-old grandfather and, and a conversation that I had with him earlier in the day. And it's just, it seems so normal. But then later I'm like, wow, did that happen? Because I never would have expected that to happen. And it's just, um, you know, you're appreciating these, these little moments. And, uh, and for me, just having adult conversation with other people, um, the, the fact that it's about tennis is just like a bonus. But uh, we're all definitely relating to each other, I think, in a, in a way that... Uh, I, I hope in some level continues after, you know, life does return to normal that we just learn to uh, appreciate one another and, and the things that we do have in common. Yeah, certainly. I think every conversation I've, I've had certainly with someone new, uh, it, it's not really about just a little chit chat anymore. Everybody can connect more so on that personal level, uh, given, given this horrible pandemic, because, you know, maybe the sentiment sounds cheesy at, at first, but it is very true that we are all in this together. Everybody can relate, uh, to what one another is going through to, to some degree, of course, uh, obviously some having it much, much harder than others. Others, uh, but very nice for Sharon Fishman to join us this week. I was fortunate to meet her and her husband, uh, Dylan Moscovich, a couple years ago at a Rogers Cup uh, event. And Dylan Moscovich, terrific athlete in his own right. And uh, Fishman was a guest for us actually a couple years ago uh, when we were formerly known as the South Paw Slice. And funny enough, at that time, it was 2018, we had just heard rumblings about a potential comeback uh, to the tour. She was debating it. And here we are in 2020, and not only has she she made a comeback to the tour, she's really played terrific tennis. Yeah, this is a really great story, not just for Canadian tennis, but in general, because she's returned to tennis after stepping away from the game in 2016. And, and that was for a variety of reasons, fatigue, injuries, losing her, her passion uh, at the time for the sport as well. And then just about two years later, she was working a Canadian Fed Cup tie for Sportsnet, the uh, big broadcasting company here in Canada. 
and, and something just clicked with her and she wanted to get back out there. Uh, she mentioned to me that the Olympics were a big motivator. And uh, as you mentioned, her relationship with Dylan Moscovich was something that also helped fire up that, that passion. And uh, talking to her, there was obviously disappointment that that Olympic dream won't be able to be realized this year. But the way she's been playing, hopefully continuing to get her ranking up in the doubles world, something that can still remain a very good possibility for a year from now in, in Tokyo. So speaking with her was, uh, was a lot of fun, and she's got a great positive attitude, not just on tennis, but on everything that's going on uh, in the world right now. And uh, her fiancé, Dylan Moskowitz, does make an appearance at the tail end of the <laughs> interview, which uh, we kind of joked about at the start. I said, yeah, bring him on, we'll talk. And then it just sort of fit at the end of the uh, interview. So I'll uh, let you guys have a listen right now. Hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll come back and uh, recap in a few I'm pleased right now to be joined by Canadian tennis player Sharon Fishman, who's been keeping us all entertained lately with her social media posts. Thanks for making time to talk with us at Matchpoint Canada today. Thank you so much for having me. I'll give a plug right now to your Twitter and Instagram because I've had fun following them. It's uh, at <laughs> Sharon underscore Fishman on Twitter and at Shazzy with four Zs on Instagram. Uh, you're certainly finding some creative ways to stay in shape and uh, hone your tennis skills during this hiatus, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, it was funny. Uh, sort of when I came back, I was stuck at Indian Wells along with a lot of other players. Um, so I kind of made my way back before they started slashing flights and took a bit of time off just because I've had a really busy start to the year, um, good problems. And, um, yeah, I sort of kind of was like, okay, well, we got to do something because we're, you know, we're in that 14 day mandatory self quarantine window and, you know, Dylan, I'm just so, so, um, lucky to be. Um, dating someone who is so kind of gung-ho about everything he's he loves to work out he's a very very creative person and um, kind of he always sees things as like an exciting challenge like you don't have a lot of space cool like let's figure this out it'll be great so it's been really really fun and we've turned our um, like our main room of our condo into like a yoga studio or um, like our gym and then I managed to find this contraption that an old coach of mine had called a tennis partner that sort of like allows you to play tennis in one space it's like a portable wall is that um, like that little like it looked like a ping pong table almost propped sort of, up yeah yeah like on a 45 degree angle sort of um and it just kind of like you can hit the ball and as long as you hit it at the the backboard thing because it's not fully a board it, it's um it's, it's like fabric material. Okay. Um, it rolls up and comes right back down and lands perfectly on a plank in that, like, strike zone area. And you can just keep going. It's like playing against the wall. Um, in your condo. You just, in my condo, yeah. yeah. So, I don't, I mean, my neighbors haven't complained yet, so we're good. <laughs> Dylan's pumped because he gets to obviously, like, get a lot of reps in. He has, that's what he needs. Like, that's all he needs is, like, yeah. just tons of reps. For those who aren't uh, familiar, your your uh, fiancé, Dylan Moscovich, is a uh, very accomplished athlete in his own right, former Olympian figure skater, and definitely watching the two of you in your videos. I got to say, the first week I was kind of being a couch potato, and then the more <laughs> I saw videos like what you guys were doing, it kind of motivated me to get up and, and get active. Like, I dusted off the rollerblades, which I haven't used in a good 10 years, and uh, we've, we've got, a, like, an oversight 
oversized hockey net with with netting around it in the backyard so that you don't break your neighbor's window and stuff like that. And uh, I've been feeding my oldest kid some tennis balls hitting into the <laughs> tennis net. So That's awesome. Um, I love that. That's so great. I've actually gotten some feedback from uh, people on Twitter and Instagram saying, like, oh, this is so motivating. Like, you know, what exercise workouts do you do? What things are you eating right now? Um, what, like, I, you know, we've been doing yoga, so it's like, what what kind of yoga meditation flow type practices are you doing other videos so we've started like actually sharing it with people like i send a bunch of stuff over to the gist um and they posted i think today like the the yoga videos that i've been doing every morning um and then dylan shared a few exercises online but like yeah i think we're gonna try and put together like little um like maybe instagram tv type bits of uh, like what, for example, like a few go-to recipes we have around the condo and what we do. Um, talk about that. Talk about like kind of what we're doing in our space to keep entertained and keep physically um, active and at least like keeping up our fitness the best we can. And we get really fun and creative with it. We've got a big balcony. Dylan was like rollerblading on it. Not roller, sorry. Um, <laughs> Careful with that. At one point, that was a bit stressful but he enjoyed it um we actually figured we can figured out we can put the speed ladder like the footwork ladder on our on our balcony so we might when it stops raining we might throw that out there and give it a try oh my goodness uh how long until you guys are actually allowed out of your self-quarantine um so we're gonna give it till this weekend um but uh yeah technically like we're it's been over two weeks since i've been home um, but we're just going to be like, you know, as of right now, I think everyone at least should be, is supposed to be, um, inside as much as possible and keep your social distance from people that aren't living in your household. So at this, at this point, we're sort of doing that. Um, and you know, it's just the, the, the sooner that we all can abide by that and respect those rules that are in place then the faster we can kick this but of course you need your mental health itself. yeah absolutely so we're I, doing our best to like find that balance um and uh but yeah we're, we're definitely doing everything we can to stay inside as much as possible we're uh, we're taking the kids out once a day just because gosh we have to but uh, you know yeah. they're really good at moving to one side of the sidewalk when others walk yeah. by okay. and um and we've had friends kind of come up to the front door open the the screens and the windows and chat through the you know we're getting That's creative nice. yeah yeah actually we uh we're planning at some point to go over to my um my brother and sister-in-law's place and uh, just like wave to my um, niece through the through the glass window. I miss her so much. Yeah, like little things like that go a long way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Hey, tell me, how much are you missing, though, uh, competition at the moment, especially given how well 2020 started out for you? Uh, finals in Acapulco, the title the next week in Monterey. You've been, uh, you're up to your, you've matched your career high now in doubles, number 48 on the WTA rankings. Um, must be tough to have to put things sort of on uh, on pause right now. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Um, you know, I was actually low-key a little bit, happy to have a break okay. in the beginning when I came home um, from Indian Wells. Not obviously with what's going on in the world. That's like just uh, silver lining wise. I was thinking, okay, you know, I get to be home for a little bit. But then as things started escalating um, around the world and you saw sort of the magnitude of the situation and how much it and how it's so much bigger than sports um, and, you know, many of the other 
like pleasure things that people like to participate in um, and fans like to watch, you realize like this is just this is you know this is a huge huge thing and it's going to affect the lives of every single person on this planet um, going forward. And I just can't imagine the adversity that some people are going through right now. So, you know, I keep trying to hold on to that and say, um, you know, right now, yeah, okay, I really miss competition. Um, I'd love nothing more than to be out there. I love the clay season. That's one of my, probably my favorite season of the year. So it's really heartbreaking to not be out there, but, um, you know, there are so many, uh, people out there that are that have real problems, you know, that have family and loved ones that are um, being affected by this virus and, um, you know, that are, there's people out there that are, that are on the fence about whether they'd be able to get a ventilator or not in certain countries. So, you know, I, I just keep focusing on how um, lucky that Dylan and I are to be in a country like Canada where they have um, all these rules and support systems and stuff in place for Canadian citizens. You know, there's countries like, in South Africa, I was watching um, a little segment on um, how people are handling it there, and there's just there's there's really nothing. I mean, there's just too many people, and there's not enough police and and security. There was like one cop trying to um, kind of wrangle up a massive group of people to to have social distancing between them as they've gotten to a really small supermarket, and it was just mayhem. And I felt awful because these people are scared they 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 want to be away from everyone but they just don't have the economic resources to be able to do that so i'm i'm disappointed i miss competition but um you know there's many things to be grateful for and um i choose to look at that yeah good way of putting things in perspective um th that being said your your season up until this uh, this hiatus was uh, really clicking and uh playing some of the best tennis of your career what what's the secret all of a sudden should every player take a uh, two-year break and then come back um <laughs> that would be uh maybe for some people it would help them i don't know i don't recommend it yeah um <laughs> i i certainly um I certainly had a lot of catching up to do when I got back. Um, yeah, I mean, the secret, I would say, is just, you know, I was slowly, I was slowly but surely kind of getting my groove as I started again. Um, it had been just over a year, kind of, um, once 2020 kicked off. And, um, yeah, I just, I feel like kind of getting a bit more um, momentum, having more matches on the WTA level, because... It was a transition when I first started. I was pretty much exclusively playing small challenger events and, and kind of just remembering how to compete again. And um, also with doubles, there's a lot more things that are out of your control, uh, changing partners constantly. So it was very tricky. Um, and obviously, I hadn't been away from home in such a long time for such a long time. So there was a big adjustment there. And then this year, I think it was just, was great was like I was now getting used to playing with certain players and certain partners. And um, I had the, the luxury of being able to at least play with um, some players that I enjoyed playing with, that clicked well with on the court. Like I started the year playing with Miyu Kato, who's a good friend of mine, and, and we enjoyed playing together. And then um, just by chance, uh, Katya Bondarenko and I teamed up in Australia. And kind of from the first day, we just really... We really clicked. Um, we liked each other's vibe. We liked each other's energy. Um, we got along well. 
and on court, things were really good. I mean, we lost in the second round, uh, sorry, in the quarterfinals, which I guess is the second round of Hobart, but we beat the Chan sisters, who I believe were number four in the world at the time. So um, it was it was a really good result. We knew that we had potential. So it was really nice that we um, kind of got ahead of it and planned to play um, a few events afterwards and got to play a few in Mexico. Oh, got to play a couple at least. And, um, yeah, I think it was just being able to have a bit more consistency and, like, kind of getting used to the person that I'm playing with. Because I think... I think I was, I certainly played with more than 20 partners since I've been back, and um, it's it's just a lot. It's, it's a big difference. So, um, yeah, I think that, that was sort of the ingredient, and, and honestly, like, Dylan has helped me so much. Um, he's in a sport um, where you have one shot, and you get to do it six to eight times a year, and your shot is, like, two minutes or four minutes, and that's it. There's no do-over. So his ability to perform and his wisdom on how to channel that performance aspect of high performance sport um at the highest level is is just uh, something i'm very grateful to be able to have access to um my team's great so i'm i'm just i'm just really happy and grateful that everything was sort of like working together and clicked at a good time did uh, having the experience of being away from tennis for a while, do you think that helps during times like, like this? I mean, we're in a period of time, we don't know how long this break is going to extend for. As you mentioned, the clay court season is wiped out, and it seems very likely that the grass court swing and, and Wimbledon are likely to be cancelled. I think that might be announced this week as well. Um, does it help to have time away from the sport to, in moments like this, know how to sort of you know, keep persevering and have other things to fall back on as well? Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't say that um, the the ability to fall back on things has like been a huge um, asset because the things that I've fall, fallen back on in my time off were coaching, which you know no one can do right now right. because everything's closed and social distancing. That's not advisable. And um, you know, one thing that has helped though is like you know being involved in sports that in the capacity that I was. Um, I love doing that. So I, I have noticed that I've, I've had a little bit more presence in that aspect. Social media, I've kind of tried to turn it into a little bit of, um, you know, just kind of letting other people have a window into our life and, and see what we're doing and how we're handling it. So that's been fun. But um, in terms of experience, having a lot of time off, yeah, it definitely helps um, for sure. It helps that I'm older. I've gone through a lot. I mean, I've never gone through anything like this. But, um, you know, one thing that I have learned is is life sort of just happens and there's a lot of unexpected twists and turns and curves and you just got to roll with it. And also it just helps to remember that it's it's not just happening to me, it's happening to everyone. So we're all do, doing our, our best and, and dealing with it the best we can. Um, I think probably the thing that's helping the most um, is being in quarantine with Dylan. Um it's really nice to be able to be kind of quote unquote stuck with your best friend. Um, he's such a wonderful and lively person and, and just kind of makes everything fun. He can make anything fun. So, um, to be honest, like we've, we've had a great time and, and, and the fact that we haven't been able to spend a lot of time together since I started playing again, um, you know, we're kind of making, we're kind of looking at it as like an opportunity to make up for a lot of missed time. So, um, we're focusing on that and um, we're just we're doing our best to 
kind of get to things that we've been avoiding for a long time. There's a lot of things around our condo that we've been wanting to do and sort through. So we're just using it as an opportunity to be able to do that. And um, that's been making it fun and keeping us really busy. Yeah, that's great to hear. It's like, it could be a tough period for some couples and some relationships, <laughs> almost like make or break it, I guess. Or like, I'm thinking of people who still live at home with their parents, perhaps, and they're isolated yeah. with their, their adult parents. My God, I could think of nothing worse. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. But, you know, um, it's really nice to hear that you guys are, are just tackling this in such a positive way. And, and obviously, it must be a really nice sort of reaffirming um, experience to go through with your partner. For sure. Yeah, we, we've, we've got that a couple of times. People saying, if you guys make it through this, you're going to make it through anything. So Absolutely. it's a challenge, right? we got to make it through. We're competitive. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you keeping in touch with many other players during this uh, social distancing and, and isolation right now? Yeah, actually, I wouldn't say many, um, but I'm keeping up with a few, kind of my, my closer friends on tour. Um, so that's been nice, and uh, we've had some, like, FaceTime or WhatsApp audio sessions or WhatsApp video. There we go, WhatsApp video sessions. <laughs> Um, so there's one friend of mine from Australia, Ellen Perez. Um, she's, she's great. We've, we've kept up and it's really different because, you know, she, she's, she's being quote unquote self isolated, um, in, in Australia where it's a lot warmer than, than it is here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So, you know, her experience is, is very different. She's, you know, the outside weather is, um, it's very inviting, and uh, also I, I believe she has access to a private tennis court, so she's kind of able to just play in her backyard. Um, I think either her boyfriend or wh where she's staying right now, she can just open her back door and go play tennis. Um, and here so, you are the, playing in your condo. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of like, oh, man, like you're really just, you know, you're just living your life right now. It's just great. So, um, you know, I'm really happy for her, super jealous, but like, low-key happy for sure um and then there's a few friends of mine that are like um a couple russian players that um obviously share a similar problem um over here and and it, it's tough but but we're all getting through it we're figuring it out we're yeah um, give it another few weeks and the weather will be nicer yeah. here in toronto anyways so, right exactly exactly and and you know we'll all get through this sports will come back it's going to be just fine um we just we just got to get through the world has to get through this right now, so we'll just we'll just focus on that. We all understand that. That's it. Hey, is there a, a tournament in particular that is now uh, either postponed or, or had been canceled, unfortunately, that you're going to be missing the most? Would it be a Grand Slam, perhaps the Olympics uh, that's been postponed by a year now? <laughs> Which one's kind of uh, the one that you're going to regret not being able to play this year the most? Oh, that's tough, but I mean, it would have to be the Olympics because that's the reason I came back, so... Um, yeah, that was really gut-wrenching when that call was made. Obviously, the right call. Uh, completely understand. And I'm proud that Canada stepped in because, um, you know, there was just there's just no way that, that, that the Olympics could go on in a safe way. You know, even if hopefully um, things start clearing up by the summer and it's looking better, um, you know, most of, most of the athletes have not been able to train the way that normally we would so um, it was absolutely the right call um but yeah it's been the whole journey of, of kind of my return to tennis is started and inspired by the dream of going to tokyo um 2020 olympics so that's pretty gut-wrenching but um it is postponed so we just uh we just gotta kind of 
thank our lucky stars that it's postponed and not canceled. And um, yeah, you know, there's not just me. There's you know athletes that they sacrifice and uproot their life for four years to to go to uh, the Olympics and maybe run like a 10 second sprint somewhere, you know, something very short. Whereas tennis, we get to compete every week. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you just kind of fortunate enough to jump into the Olympics and be a part of that. But some people like that's what their world revolves around. So so my heart goes out to those athletes. Yep. And Hey, on the positive side, this will just give you more time to get that ranking boosted even (laughs) further to, to get you in there with uh, maybe even with a seating, who knows, right? Yeah, that would be great. You know, I'm just trying to take it one day at a time right now, and that's kind of the way I have been as well when I've been back um, playing this year. So just one day at a time, just really focusing on improving and have fun and kind of enjoy everything as much as possible. Even the bad days, find something that's um, that's pretty great about it because there's always something. Right on. Hey, uh, you know, because we are a Canadian podcast, of course, and the, the Tennis Canada podcast, I have to ask you about how far things have come along with tennis here in our country since your professional career started to the way they are now, both on the men's side and the women's side. It seems we have so much depth, whether it be in doubles or in singles, you know, multiple players in the, the top 20, top 30 of the rankings. Uh, Bianca, who's now given us a, a Grand Slam singles champion for the first time ever. Uh, can you believe just how far things have come over your professional career in terms of tennis uh, becoming a, a real sport here in, in Canada? Yeah, I mean, it's wild, right? Like, I, I think it's so cool. Um, you know, when I look back to even when I was a kid, um, my role models growing up were not necessarily Canadian. Like, of course, I, I knew of, of the top players that were doing well. Like, in, in my day when I was a child, um, playing tennis, the players like Vanessa Webb were still on tour, Rini Simpson, I think Sonia J. Seeland was kind of towards the end of her career, but out there, Maureen Drake was playing. So we had like some players in the top 100, you know, minimal appearances in the top 50 for some of them, and those were huge. Um, so I was, those were the people I associated with um, in terms of Canadian tennis, and, you know, but I always, would usually gravitate to, to like Martina Hingis at one point when I was growing up, it was like Monica Seles. Um, but now, you know, players in this day and age that are, that are just picking up the racket for the first time, they've got like top 20 and top 10 and top five players within our country to look up to. It's huge. You know, Bianca um, winning the first singles grand slam for Canada is that's something that, you know, people weren't sure was ever going to happen. And now, you know, it just feels like so much more attainable because there's a handful of players on the women's and men's side that are having success in singles and doubles. And, you know, when when a country feels like that becomes the standard for them, I feel like everything just elevates. People are more motivated. People expect more of themselves. The level's higher. People push each other. And I think when that happens, everyone just gets better and better and better. And you know, before winning a Grand Slam was like out of the question, unheard of. And now, you know, I know Bianca's talking about like winning multiple slams and winning more things and being number one in the world. And that's kind of become the new thing. So, um, and, and it's believable too. It's something where you can actually say, hey, I could see those things happening. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's inspiring other people. I mean, look at Leila Fernandez. She had, she had an unbelievable run in Mexico as well. Um, 
you know, in singles. And it was just really cool to see how she's kind of got that, like, that spark in her eye. You know, she she knows that that's something that, um, you know, is, is achievable. Um, she's seen Bianca do it. She's obviously had a lot of success recently in, um, in, in juniors and then kind of transitioning into pros. I know absolutely for a fact, like, being around top players, for example, at Fed Cup, being able to practice together, play points together, you know, when you're, when you're around that level and you're, you're training in that environment, then you feel like you belong there. Um, you get a lot more comfortable. So you sort of go out on court and you expect that of yourself. And you can see, like, that's really starting to snowball for her in a good way. And, and she's really picked up a lot of momentum. Uh, one of my favorite memories of uh, your career is back in 2013. If we rewind a little bit for a moment here, and oh wow, I sent really I, <laughs> I sent you some of those pictures yesterday of you and Gabby Dabrowski when you guys defeated the then world number ones of um, Sarah Arani and uh, oh I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, Vinci. 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 That's, that's right. right. That's right. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw those those pictures that I sent? I said, "Oh my God, I look so young!" Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, no, I was just smiling. I remember. Uh, I remember actually one of the photos uh, just kind of sparked a memory of my mom watching. My mom, uh, my parents like almost never watch um, my matches, and my mom actually came and watched that match um, live. And she was so excited. I, I just kind of, it kind of, it drew a, drew a parallel there. So that was really nice. It was, those photos were very, uh, very nostalgic. And, and honestly, it was, it was wonderful to kind of open my phone and see like all that, all those good memories come flooding back. Um, it was so exciting. You know, it was the first time, um, it was the first time that I'd beaten a world number one team. I'd beaten like a world number one that was playing with someone else before, but they were, you know, they were kind of crushing everybody. And Gabby and I were on a like on a tear. We were kind of, you know, battling out three set matches after three set match after the three set match, and um, and then it was just so nice to be able to do it like in Toronto. So um, such a great such a great tournament, such a great time to do that. Well, it was it was wonderful. Well, hey, thank you for uh, stopping by today and sharing uh, some of your memories with us. And uh, we just want to, you know you and Dylan stay healthy, stay safe. Uh, please keep the Instagram stories coming to help us uh, stay motivated and to get off our, our lazy butts and, and get off the couch <laughs> a little bit too. It's, um, it is definitely having a positive effect and, and we appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. You'll, um, Dylan's beside me now, but uh, you'll, see, you'll see us kind of throwing out a few more videos of what we're doing to keep ourselves busy. Yeah, Dylan's not. <laughs> he's pumped. He's excited. He's actually all about those challenges. I'm sure like You've seen um, those kind of, I nominate you for... Yeah, yeah. I had my kids, I had my three kids doing the push-up challenge because I was too lazy to do it myself, actually. Oh, delegating, that's smart, yeah. So Dylan's roped himself into this, like, 100 push-ups for 100 days uh, in a row. So I'm watching him kind of do that. And I'm, I mean, I, there's no way I'm doing that as well, but um, it's very inspiring. I feel like we need to get a video of that. Yeah, you don't want too much muscle as a tennis player, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, a hundred, like, he, he kind of pumps them out. What was your record? Like, just over two minutes, two minutes something? Two minutes 20? A hundred push-ups in two minutes and 20 seconds. That's, that's, record. that's his record so far. I mean, that's, I mean, I have to, like, spread it out over, you know, yeah. hours. That's more push-ups than I've done in 2020, okay, guys? Um. 
Hey, if Dylan's if Dylan's there, maybe he can share with us uh, how big a tennis fan are you, and what's what's your game like on the court? Well, you know, I'm I'm in the midst of training for um, my uh, Maccabi Games debut one day. Okay, uh, yeah. For those who aren't uh, familiar, do you want to share what that is? The, yeah, the Maccabi Games is essentially the Jewish Olympics, I guess you could call it. Yeah. It's in Israel every year, and uh, Jewish athletes from around the world. Every four years. Every four years, sorry. Every year that it's held. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jewish athletes from around the world compete. And it's and it's one of the biggest multi-sport events in the world, actually. Uh, figure skating is not part of. Oh, that's too games. bad. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it's too, it's too cold for our people. Now, is that is that going to be in singles, or are you going to be teaming up in mixed doubles with Sharon oh, to get I into mean, those? Why limit myself, you know? Oh, mixed doubles <laughs> wasn't on the table until you said that. Yeah. Oh, boy. Right, we'll see how, we'll see how well I can uh, convince her. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love tennis. I, you know, I, I grew up with it. I played in some camps as a kid. Uh, and then my brother played, so I was around tennis quite a bit. My mom's been obsessed with tennis for years. She's a huge Nadal fan. Um, and then when Sharon and I started dating, I got exposed to more tennis and getting to go to professional tournaments and then starting to get coaching or physiotherapist accreditation, <laughs> you know, living it up at, at these major tournaments. And I love it. I think it's a fantastic sport. If I were to pick another sport to have a career in it would be tennis yeah well it's never too late and uh looks like you guys that's what i keep that's what i keep saying no no we don't encourage i feel like i'm 20 i'm ready to do this you know like i you have to literally pull me off the floor yes you don't understand look what i've done i should have stayed clear of this topic no i i appreciate you uh you dabbling and and stirring the pot there's worse problems than having a very very supportive significant other well, on that note, uh, I'm going to say thanks again, both of you, for, for joining me. That was, uh, that was a little bit of fun. And, uh, you know, stay safe, guys. And we look forward to uh, talking down the road when, uh, when tennis picks up again and, and other sports as well, for that matter. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Stay safe and healthy and happy. <laughs> All the best. Talk soon. And there you have it, Canadian doubles player Sharon Fishman also uh, joined at the tail end of the interview uh, with former Olympic athlete Dylan Moscovich. And uh, just listening back myself, Mike, it really feels like those two really, really feed off of each other. And uh, it sounds like Dylan is making the quarantining that much easier for for Fishman, who is, who's keeping up all the fitness routines and has that little cool uh, ball, ball uh, contraption uh, to sort to keep the form when she can't get out on a tennis court. Yeah, it's like a half ping pong table they have set up in their condo. And I don't know how big the condo is, but I mean, just watching the Instagram stories and videos that they're posting, there's not a whole lot of room in there. So no. those two are getting super <laughs> creative with, and, and not only are they getting creative, but they're inspiring people because it, it, it you know encouraged me to get my lazy butt off the couch and do something <laughs> earlier this week, along with, you know, videos of, of you working out as well. So I, kind of half hate you for it but half appreciate <laughs> you pushing me to uh because i'm not gonna lie at the end of the day of entertaining my three kids along with my wife like we're just gassed we're exhausted yeah um but i am i am trying so while like a week ago i passed off the push-up challenge and i made my three kids do it um i am now getting a little bit more active and definitely when you watch sharon and what she's doing uh because not only are they social distancing but they're still self-isolated because of uh, the amount of time since they've been back in the country um it, it's very encouraging to see um what they're coming up with 
And it's also really nice to see two people that are clearly uh, made for each other because I think a lot of relationships would be a big strain if you're uh, isolated for that length of time in a smaller space like a condo in Toronto. And so for them to be so upbeat and uh, motivating each other, I think that's exactly what you'd hope any relationship could uh, aspire to be like during a time like this. Yeah, uh, I also thought it was uh, hilarious, by the way, and you can follow Sharon Fitchman uh, on Instagram, Shazzy, S-H-A-Z-Z-Z-Z-Y. She's there on uh, Instagram that she she posted a a workout video, sort of sped up in time. It was probably like a half-hour workout or something with uh, her husband, Dylan, who at one time uh, had his shirt removed in in the workout, and, and Jeannie Bouchard was there in the Instagram comment uh, commenting about him having his shirt off, which uh, was uh, hilarious. So uh, the, the bonding is existing right now between fellow Canadian tennis players as well, which is it's great. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And Fishman and, and uh, Jeannie pay, uh, Bouchard, sorry, played doubles together last summer at the uh, August Cup. I've got some fun pictures of that. The two of them, they didn't win their match, if memory serves correctly, but they had a lot of fun out there and had some laughs with the crowd too. So I'm definitely going to share some of those photos on our Match Point Can uh, Twitter account. And uh, just to stick to the tennis for a a moment about uh, what Sharon was saying, I mean, first of all, she's off to such a great start this year. Mm -hmm. She's now matched her career high of number 48 in the world in doubles, which is pretty phenomenal considering she's 29 years old now. So, you know, the best is yet to come still for Sharon, it appears. And she's played with, she said, about 20 different partners since returning to the WTA. But things are definitely clicking with Katia Bondarenko uh, with their two finals appearances in Mexico and, and the win in, in Monterey. Um, definitely think the Olympics are, are possible for her. And not just Olympics, but when I think of our Fed Cup team for Canada, just the depth that we have if everybody's healthy between Bianca Andreescu and Leila Annie Fernandez in singles, and then having Dabrowski, Gabby Dabrowski, who's top 10 in the world in doubles, and Sharon Fishman, who's creeping up towards the top 40, they'd be a wonderful pair as well. It gives Canada a really threatening team in women's action as well to sort of complement what we have on the men's side, which we saw last year worked so well in uh, in Davis Cup. Yeah, that was one of my first thoughts, uh, just seeing her now inside the, the top 50 in doubles and obviously Gabby Dabrowski, who we were fortunate to speak with just the other week, uh, being, of course, top 10 and one of the best doubles players in the world. If we sort of had the doubles element locked down for Canada at Fed Cup, then it's really just worrying about is Bianca Andreescu healthy? Because we know if she is, she's one of the best players on the planet. And then we, of course, know the surging uh, performances from Leila Annie Fernandez before uh, these tours were suspended. Uh, she was one of the hottest players on the tour and obviously charging towards the top 100. And you have to think she has the potential for, for top 50, top 20 and, and beyond in, in the near future. So that would make for a, a really terrific tandem in Fed Cup. Obviously, that is a ways away. We don't know when tennis is going to return, but uh, just obviously trying to shape some of these positives uh, that could exist, uh, hopefully for Canada when we are back to playing tennis. Yeah, Sharon had a lot of uh, kind words for Leila Annie as well when I spoke with her and just excitement and seeing the excitement in Leila Annie's eyes as she's taking in Fed Cup uh, action as a 16 and now 17-year-old, which is a great developmental experience for her. And uh, as for Fishman and Dabrowski, I don't know if that could be a potential, the potential Canadian doubles team uh, Olympics uh, when they come around next year. But the two of them did have success going back to 2013. I was at the match at the Rogers Cup. I want to say it was the quarterfinal match where they partnered up and defeated on the grandstand court the world number one tandem at the time of Roberta Vinci and Sarah Arani, the Italians, in a big upset 
on the grandstand court. And so I had fun talking to Sharon about that one and dug up a few pictures that I took from back then. And my goodness, her and Gabby are just, they just look like babies out there, you know, (laughs) not that they're, I mean, they're still in their twenties, but they just look so young back then and there. And even the pictures from the post-match press conference, their smiles are just, that says it all. You know, you can just read the faces of two young up and coming Canadians who have certainly done well for Canada over the years. And, you know, there's been ups and downs, of course, but to see the two of them uh, battling through those times and, and playing right now, both of them arguably the best uh, tennis of their lives is uh, is really great to see. Yeah, certainly is. You are listening to Matchpoint Canada. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm Ben Lewis. He's Mike McIntyre. Uh, you know, it's pretty unbelievable given that we've been in this pandemic. Well, it feels like such a long time has passed. But in terms of the tennis calendar, uh, just to point out, we would just be in the middle of the Miami Open. Uh, so really, we only would have missed one full tournament and been halfway through the second half of the Sunshine Double, which just feels unbelievable when we're kind of talking about all of this and breaking it down. It feels like we've already missed like two or three months of tennis. Ben, I feel like I've aged 10 years in the last two weeks, okay? So I've got even less hair and more wrinkles and the bags under my eyes. And, um, yeah, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. Right. Uh, but it does like we should be way further down the road in terms of the tennis schedule to think that it was just a year ago, really, that, that Bianca had beat Angelique Kerber for that big, huge title in her career and Dominic Team proving his uh, worth on hard courts mm-hmm. in defeating Roger Federer in a very competitive match. And, and that right now would be, yeah, like you said, uh, not quite finished Miami, uh, where Federer again had a, a wonderful tournament. And on the women's side, we had uh, Ashley Barty over, um, I believe, the ace queen, Carolina Pliskova. So um, that, that seems more than a year ago, and um, and yet that's where we would be right now if things were, were happening. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. Uh, we would not even be at the clay court season yet, uh, but we know the clay court season is scrapped, and uh, the latest in tennis news, uh, this will probably hit home for the grass court season as well, by the sounds of it, that will be cancelled, and all England club organizers had also called an emergency meeting, and according to the German Tennis Federation Vice President Dirk Hordhorf, uh, the Wimbledon Championships are are expected to be canceled on Wednesday and they had been scheduled to begin June 29th. This will be the first time uh, we are without Wimbledon since World War II. And uh, for for some, I, I think in watching tennis, the ultimate familiarity with, with tennis really is tennis on the grass courts at Wimbledon in terms of watching. Yeah, I was trying to think of why I have so many memories as a kid of watching Wimbledon Uh, compared to some of the other Grand Slams, and it's because of when it falls in the schedule, which is at the start of summer vacation if you're a kid here in Canada, in in North America. So I've got almost zero memories of the Australian Open as a kid. Uh, I don't know if I skipped it like some of the players back in the day, but (laughs) just obviously the time zone, like there's no way I was going to be allowed to stay up to watch those matches. Uh, And then the French Open as well. I mean, Monday to Friday, both week one and week two, you're going to be in school as a kid. Uh, so that really negates what you can watch. But Wimbledon, if you wanted to, and I definitely wanted to when I was a kid, I mean, I was hooked on tennis. I watched the whole darn tournament pretty much in the summers. Didn't matter if we were at home. Didn't matter if we were on vacation. My parents thought I was crazy. They'd be going to the beach or they'd be heading out to the pool or whatever, like normal people would do in June or July here. And I would stay home regardless of the weather and sit in front of the TV and just watch these players 
And I think we're always debating tennis on Twitter and in the media at such an adult level that we forget how many kids love the sport and how many kids get hooked on the sport. And it's only natural to equate some of that um, initial passion to Wimbledon, the first tournament the kids can watch if they're home on a, on a summer day. Yeah, you completely hit the nail on the head. Uh, it, it really is the timing of the Grand Slam in, in terms of the season because uh, for me and, and my childhood growing up, a lot of my summers were spent at, at my local tennis club in Kingston. And yeah, really just kind of a week out of school. You think about June 29th being the start date for this year for Wimbledon. That was the planned start date. Yeah, that would really be kind of your first week out of school. And uh, I used to be watching all the tennis at the tennis club when I wasn't playing and it was Wimbledon that was on and I I think that probably started when I was as young as seven eight years old so yeah yeah, so my my first memory is given my age uh, on the women's side and I remember it well because one of my first favorite players actually was Arantxa Sanchez Vicario and uh, 1995 she made a run to the final and lost a three-set thriller to Steffi Graf uh, which was a terrific match and uh, Vicario it's funny her name doesn't really seem to come up in her consciousness anymore now but then you look back at her career and she was like wow she was an incredible player four singles grand slams and 10 slams and doubles really really underrated and yeah, then, she pushed uh, she pushed Steffi Graf as hard as anybody did during that time yeah yeah that was that was a terrific Aside match from Celis, of course you know correct Aside correct Celis, yeah. yep and then uh of course on the men's side I I had memories uh, of Sampras and sort of domination at Wimbledon mm-hmm. and then the memory to me that stands out was actually the following year 1996 because my brother uh, grew up being a huge Pete Sampras fan and uh, just being the younger brother I like to kind of have a rivalry with him so mm-hmm. since he since he cheered for Pete Sampras I would cheer against Pete Sampras uh, no, no matter who he was playing no matter who he was playing and that's nothing personal uh, now that I'm an adult I, I don't really look back at Pete Sampras that way unbelievable player but I used to root for the underdog and so the following year 1996 Richard Krychek had his breakthrough mm-hmm. and not only beat Pete Sampras, but then went on to win the tournament, his, his one grand slam. And uh, Richard Krychek, people will know, actually was coaching Milos Raonic for a brief time and quite a similar game style, really. You can see how it would play up at, at Wimbledon. But that was the memory that really stood out to me. Not really his title win, but the match that he won, particularly against Sampras at Wimbledon. Richard Krychek, similar hair to Milos Raonic, too, I'm just realizing for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. You're right. Um, I've got all those memories you've got, but I got a few extra ones because of my, uh, you know, experience over you uh, yes. in the, uh, the 1980s. Um, so my first memories at Wimbledon, and they're really special. I think back, like, these are memories that are so ingrained in me as a part of my childhood. And it was, and I've said it before, Boris Becker and Stefan Edberg on the men's side having three back-to-back-to-back finals from 1988 to 1990. And that's the kind of thing that really hooks you, too, is the rivalries, you know, sort of like in in hockey. I always had the Habs and the Bruins growing up in in Montreal. And that's what it felt like with those two uh, great players and and such great serving and volleying and diving through the air. I mean, I just loved watching them play. I was so upset in 1991 when that, um, you know, ended, which obviously at some point it, it had to. And as Sampras started to take on, uh, you know, his incredible aura of invincibility on the, the grasses there. Uh, and then on the women's side, Steffi Graf and, uh, and whoever she was playing, it seemed like it was always Graf during those years. Uh, I was pulled towards the underdogs. 
Mm -hmm. So the Yana Novotnas, the Goran Ivanisevic's, even when Andre Agassi got his first slam, which happened to be at Wimbledon, which was so ironic in a way because his image, you know, image was everything was his tagline with Nike, which was in such stark contrast with the tradition, the all white approach of the all England club. And there he was, this sort of, you know, badass of tennis, if you will, <laughs> winning his first slam and crying like a baby, holding that trophy mm-hmm. on center court. And it was sort of a, a turning point for him, obviously, in terms of taking things more seriously, re- realizing his potential. And I think also winning over a whole lot of fans who up until that point had maybe uh, not really been, uh, you know, part of Team team Andre, so to speak. So just so many memories. I could go on and on. I could do a whole episode with you, and maybe we will, depending on how long this hiatus takes us. But right. uh, I could do a whole episode just on Wimbledon. That's how much it meant to me as a kid. And uh, I think without Wimbledon, uh, I don't know if I would have been drawn to tennis in the way that I was. Yeah, that's a good point. It, just just for the fact of the the accessibility as a kid to watch a Grand Slam, even the U.S. Open, like you get that probably that first week, but then after that, it was it was heading heading back to school, right? So you're probably yep. missing the the latter half. Uh, we had a great opportunity uh, this week, and and we sent it out on Twitter uh, for any listeners who wanted to chat about how they're handling life without tennis, and uh, uh, a few reached out, and we spoke with them, and uh, it would be great time now to, to listen to what they had to say. I had a chance to speak with uh, Dean Theophilus, who has uh, been a longtime listener of Matchpoint Canada. And uh, here he is uh, speaking with me about how he has handled the break. First off, Dean, how are you coping with the hiatus from tennis and, and really essentially being under lockdown? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite tough. I mean, I think more than I was anticipating, um, you know, right now, you know, people are talking about, you know, French Open, Wimbledon and all that. And, you know, not seeing highlights or predictions has been kind of hard to, um, you know, kind of grasp. And also all the excitement about our Canadians. That I, I think that's the part that I think I'm missing the most, you know, seeing Bianca and and uh, Shapovalov and Felix and all of them preparing for these tournaments and not hearing about them so much. I think that's what's been hard, uh, kind of harder for, for me as a big fan. Yeah, it feels like uh, everything, of course, suddenly stopped. And uh, I don't know about you, but it feels like we we haven't had tennis for like a couple months or something when really, uh, like date-wise, we would only be in the middle of Miami Open right now. Does does it feel like a long stretch of time has just passed without any sports? Yeah, it has. I mean, it's it's definitely been a a challenge. I mean, so yeah, now that you tell me that we've been in the middle, we would be in the middle of Miami, like, in my head, I think we're already preparing for the French Open in Wimbledon. So, <laughs> right, uh, yeah. Um, it, without live tennis, obviously, uh, you, you know, you can't be sort of following the live scores or watching matches. Do you, do you find yourself going back and, and watching any highlights, any players in, in spe- uh, specifically who you might be missing in particular? Yeah, what I've, I have been actually, uh, people are putting like some lists together, you know, you're hearing some like top names, you know, I don't know. I think there was, I think, I think I believe Mike had re- was responding to some top 10 list and Pete Sampras was on that list. I've, I've been a big Pete Sampras uh, fan. And so that kind of, you know, forced me to look at some of his old footage. So I haven't been looking at more recent players, but probably some older players that I grew up watching. I probably 
you know, spending more time looking at some of that older footage. Nice, nice. I, I find uh, at least now, like YouTube has really, really quality like match highlight packs. So if, if you have like a favorite player in mind and then you're curious about a certain match, I, I was just watching back Milos Raonic and his marathon match actually against uh, Jill Wilfried Songa at the Olympics, a match I, I yeah. feel like a lot of people have forgotten about. Um, wh- what do you think you're hopeful to see when tennis is back? And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to forecast a timeline but uh do you think we'll be watching some live tennis in the summer oh, um to be honest i i don't think so i don't think so i mean the the i mean again there's again nothing's confirmed but there's whispers of wimbledon being canceled um so i think there's an announcement coming in a few days but with that said i i, I i'm not optimistic i mean tennis is such a geographically spread sport that we don't know what's gonna what how things are gonna be in from one corner to the world. So, if I would have to guess, I, I doubt there's gonna be any tennis. I'm, I'm I'm an optimist, but from what's going on, I don't think we'll see too much tennis this year. Yeah, and uh, well, hopefully, uh, the tours are really just following along with all health considerations and just following the recommendations. Uh, Dean, thanks so much for coming on the program this week and uh, talking some tennis, talking about missing tennis, really. Yeah, and thank and yeah, thank you for having me. And just one little thing before before I go, thank you both for such you know keeping this up. It really helps a lot, especially for people like me, big tennis fans, and you know our minds are being stretched with responsibilities at work and at home and with the kids. And you know this forty five minutes weekly show that you guys do just really just helps us clear our mind and allows us to kind of escape a little bit. So I do appreciate all the hard work that you guys put into the show, especially with all the other responsibilities you guys have. So. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much uh, for saying that. We're just hoping, especially now with no tennis, uh, we can just, as you said, just be uh, one one little distraction for everybody's week. Like, as you said, 45 minutes just to distract yourself from everything else that is going on. Great. And there is Dean, and uh, we really appreciate all the complimentary words uh, that he does have about our podcast. And yeah, we all... didn't pay him. Did we pay him? We didn't pay him to say those. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. Unless, okay, uh, unless you snuck a transfer to him or something. No, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, that was very nice. Uh, but it it makes uh, me appreciate more uh, us doing this on a weekly basis. If it is serving as any kind of distraction for for fans who are without the game of tennis, I know as well. Mike, you had a chance to to speak with one of our listeners katie yeah katie from toronto and uh katie krolak uh, it's funny i didn't know this until recently but she's been following me on twitter and, and us on twitter for a while uh, but it turns out we've got a mutual friend and that came up in some sort of conversation between the two of them and i got a text from a friend saying hey i'm talking to one of your listeners here this is a really weird moment for me so it's uh, <laughs> just funny the connections that are out there in the tennis community and i mean all three of these conversations which i enjoyed listening to the two you did and I had fun speaking with Katie. Uh, it's just really nice to connect with people that I, I feel like we almost know them in a way, even though we've never met face to face, just through all of our interactions, uh, you know, and certainly Dean, Katie and, and Leon are three that, that, uh, that resonate because they've, they've been uh, such big fans of Canadian tennis and tennis in general. And so getting to speak to them is, uh, is a lot of fun. And uh, without me blabbering on too much here, here's my chat from earlier today with Katie. Yeah, you're a huge tennis fan, and so i got to ask, how are you handling the hiatus right now that we're experiencing in the tennis world? Uh, what, what are you missing the most? Well, I'm handling it as best as anyone can. Um, obviously, I miss it a lot. Um, 
I'm a big sports fan in general. I watch a lot of tennis and hockey, so the live sports in general, I miss a lot. The biggest thing is probably the social aspect. I like watching with friends and family and sitting down for like a beer and um, just getting excited about the live drama in the match, what's going on, being brought to my feet when there's a crazy point happening or holding my breath during really intense moments. It's that kind of small stuff that um, you don't really realize that you miss until it's gone. Absolutely. I mean, it's one thing to watch recorded matches and things from the past. I've kind of been catching up on some classic hockey moments, but it's just not the same as, as something in the moment where you don't know the result. Yeah, definitely. The reruns just can't match that live excitement and drama. Who are some of your favorite players that you get excited about uh, that you're missing the most right now? Well, obviously all the Canadians. I love watching Chapeau and Bianca and Felix and Milos and... Um, I really started getting into the doubles last year, so I'm even missing that too. Um, and outside of the Canadian players, I really like Federer, Nadal, um, Djokovic, obviously. I like watching the big three. And um, Dominic Team. I really like watching his games. So I miss, I miss, really miss everything. I, I would watch anything right now. And it's refreshing to talk to someone who, who likes all the big three. Often you get someone who's like a diehard Fed fan or Djokovic and they can't sort of like coexist. So I like yeah, hearing that. It's, it's tough. Like I, I, Federer is definitely my favorite, but it's hard to love one without appreciating the other two. Um, can't have one without the other two. I feel <laughs> the same way. the same. Hey, tell us, uh, you attended a pretty big tennis event earlier this year, and I'm really jealous because it's one that I've never been able to get to yet. What was it like to be a fan at the Australian Open back in January? Oh, it was just a dream come true. Um, really, like, the best week of my life. It was it was awesome going to see some of the players that I watch on TV all the time um, live and uh seeing some of the matches just the atmosphere there like i've been to the rogers cup a lot and i don't want to knock on the rogers cup because i love that event and i love going every year but uh just the excitement and the atmosphere in some of those matches was unparalleled by, by any sporting event i've been to i was in the um curios hatchinoff match and the curios nadal match and both of those were just the most insane <laughs> sporting events i've ever been in I appreciate the pictures that you sent back uh, to us. We used some of them, I think, on Matchpoint Canada, actually. So yeah, thanks yeah. for that. And uh, thanks for checking in with us today. We're going to be making a few calls to some, some listeners and uh, just touching base on how everyone's doing. And I think, like you said, just sort of you know connecting and, and, and talking about the sport we love is a way that we can all sort of collectively get through this time together. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. And there is Matchpoint Canada listener Katie Krolak. Uh, I spoke with uh, one other listener who actually has a great sort of Bianca Andreescu tribute video on his uh, Twitter. So I will uh, sort of tee that up for him that you can find him on Twitter at Leon Thomas Braun. He's a big Bianca fan and he lives in Grand Prairie, Alberta. Kind of pitched the idea of perhaps uh, having a couple tournaments in Western Canada where maybe tennis is not as much viewed or appreciated. Uh, but here's my chat with uh, Leon Thomas Braun. I guess I'll start, Leon. Just how, in general, are you are you coping with this uh, lengthy hiatus away from live tennis? Well, I've been probably like a lot of people here. I've been looking at social media a lot. Um, there's a bunch of tennis players right now doing a little bit on 
social media. You have players like Christy on, obviously putting a lot of stuff on TikTok. You got Nicole Gibbs and Chris Everett, uh, Pam Shriver, Jeannie Bouchard's put on a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then from the men, you have people like, uh, Stan Vavrinka, he's put on a lot of stuff, and even Roger and Novak and Rafa have done some stuff. So that, and I've also been looking at Tennis Channel has had a lot of stuff on social media. They've been doing a lot of Facebook posts and Twitter stuff, so I've been looking at that. And uh, Tennis Channel just brought on uh, Andy Roddick, and he had some really interesting stuff to say about our Canadian tennis players, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, uh, very cool to to hear him actually mention both uh, Bianca Andreescu and Felix Ojeeliasim as a couple of players like he specifically loves to watch right now. So, uh, and we know he doesn't have any uh, Canadian bias. I think he was just answering honestly. So that was very cool. Yeah, you mentioned three players. You mentioned uh, Bianca, Felix, and uh, Coco Goff. So that was really cool. Very cool. And uh, I, I guess with with tennis missing, live tennis and that, do, do you find yourself like looking back at, at highlights, any players specifically that, that you're really uh, missing watching? Well, I'm a pretty, well, I'm a pretty big Bianca fan. I've been, a, I've been a fan of hers ever since. Well, I kind of first started noticing her when she, obviously when she won the Les Petitas uh, when she was 14, I guess 13, it was 2014. And then was following Jeannie and Milos along that time. Um, TSN recently has been doing a lot of replays. So I've been watching those, which is good. And they just announced today that they're going to be showing some Miami stuff with Dennis and Felix this week. So that's good. Um, I'm thinking maybe you and Mike maybe can twist some arms at Sportsnet to show uh, Rogers Cup from last year. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yeah, we would love that. Uh, certainly. And, uh, look, I, I know we, we only have Rogers cup as, as the premier tennis event, uh, in the country, but, but you were mentioning you'd love to see, uh, maybe like a, a bigger tennis event for one of the tours out in Western Canada. Do you, do you think something like that would be a draw? You know, I think one of the interesting things is I've talked to people in the past about that and, and actually people in broadcast media and a lot of people think that Canada just doesn't have the population or doesn't have the population density to do that but you know I was looking at some numbers and I kind of disagree on that because even some of the even some of the tennis tournaments that we would have seen say now like uh, Charleston that has a population of 130,000 you have Cincinnati and New Haven which uh, actually New Haven has 130,000 and Cincinnati has 300,000 so those are smaller places too I mean, even even D.C. and, and San Jose, like um, you had 600,000 and a million people there. Um, but places like Vancouver, Calgary and Edmonton, there are places right now that have pro sports franchises. So I think something like that you could possibly put in those cities. And even a place like Calgary and Edmonton, you could do something similar to what they do at the Rogers Cup where they trade back and forth with uh, men's and women's tennis every year. Right. And I think with the Calgary Flames getting a new uh, stadium here soon, that whole downtown area in Calgary, that could be also converted into a tennis area. That's true. So I think, yeah, I think with um, there really being nothing in uh, Northwestern North America, like um, really the closest turn to me would be like San Jose or Indian Wells. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's even as a Western Canadian. So 
they're even closer to me than the Rogers Cup is currently. Right, right. Well, yeah, no, no, you make a good point. And, and right now we do, uh, as we said but before we, we started recording, that we do have a couple challengers like in Vancouver and in Calgary. But I do get the sense that uh, if Montreal and Toronto have, have been able to foster and, and grow a huge base of tennis fans always coming to their event uh, on an annual basis, that I, I think it would be doable for, for city hubs, like whether it's Vancouver, Edmonton, or Calgary to, to host host, say, an ATP 250 or a WTA International, uh, maybe something that could be looked at in the next, uh, you know, five years or so. Uh, Leon, thanks uh, so much for, for taking some time to, to chat with Matchpoint Canada today, and uh, we really appreciate your support listening to the podcast over uh, the last, uh, oh, like year and a half, probably more. And thank you so much. I, I enjoy listening to your podcast every week, and uh I'm excited to listen to the program again this week. Thank you so much for right. the time and, and getting in touch. Thank yeah. you very much. No problem. And there is Leon and maybe pitching an idea to, to Sportsnet. Could we replay Rogers Cup footage from last year, maybe? I love the idea, and I've seen him suggest that to us on Twitter recently. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, and, and I hate to say this, but I think, unfortunately, that's going to be saved for August if the Rogers Cup, right. uh, and again, I hate saying this, but if it doesn't end up happening this summer, then that's the week that we're going to see uh, Leon, those uh, Bianca videos and matches from a year ago. Uh, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood. We really hope it can happen. But the clock is ticking, and the longer that this drags on, unfortunately, the less realistic it seems like we're going to get that live tennis in Toronto and Montreal. But I do love Leon's idea about having more tennis out west. I've been out to Vancouver a couple times to cover Davis Cup, and those crowds are super passionate about the sport. And I'm sure it's the same in uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan. You know what I love about the three listeners we talked to this week is they're from three different parts of the country. We've got Dean in Montreal, or just outside of Montreal, Katie in Toronto, Leon in, in Grand Prairie. And, uh, and it just proves that we've got, you know, hardcore tennis fans all over this country of ours. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it is really, really terrific. Um, with no live tennis, we have been, I guess, fortunate since everybody is kind of attached to their phones these days and all over social media that uh, players are also obliging and busy on social media as well, uh, posting, posting some funny videos. I- any favorites like catching your eye? Yeah, I mean, Stan Wawrinka for his 35th birthday and in general over the last two weeks has been gold. Uh, him and Benoit Pair. I've traded off some live Instagram uh, videos making all sorts of alcoholic beverage concoctions. <laughs> yes, that's uh, right. I haven't tried any of them yet myself, but uh, at some point, if this lasts much longer, I'm certainly going to. Um, so he turned 35 and had a great video of him celebrating his birthday by himself at first, but then he gets joined by like eight other Stan Vavrinkas that he has uh, worked his way and edited into the video. So that was pretty good. I, I wonder if we could get one of them on our podcast at some point. Who knows? <laughs> Um, Gael Mofis is doing a ton of stuff. It's, it's not always the most interesting. Last night it was him playing video games with a buddy of his. Okay. I'd rather just play video games myself, to be honest. But uh, him and his uh, Gems Life partner, uh, Alina Svitolina, have been doing some good stuff. And the three of them, or sorry, the two of them have been chatting with Victoria Azarenka a fair bit, which is, uh, which is kind of a cool dynamic. Uh, and one other for me is uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Connors who I grew up uh, watching as well as a kid at the tail end of his career. He was kind of getting into it playfully on Twitter with, uh, with some guy who was openly questioning his legacy and trying to knock him down a few pegs for whatever reason. And I just enjoyed the fact that Jimmy with his, you know, unwavering tenacity, and that's Jimmy Connors. Yep. And he wasn't doing it in a bad way, but he just kind of kept coming back and playing with the guy and sort of, 
not tormenting him, but toying with him a little bit. And, uh, and I enjoyed just seeing that Jimmy Connors' Twitter presence is uh, kind of exactly what you would expect, unrelenting. <laughs> oh, that's, that's very funny. It makes me think of a couple highlight videos of him just getting right up in a chair on Byers Grill about a couple calls that he didn't particularly like. Uh, Roger Federer, who had been, I would say, rather quiet on social media uh, in terms of activity uh today actually posting a video of him out in the snow uh hitting against a wall uh and flashing some trick shots sort of between the legs behind the back so any fears about him having issues with his knee right now uh he seems to have answered pretty promptly uh with this video that very quickly already has like a couple million views and over a hundred thousand likes so uh for those who think Roger Federer is the GOAT, uh, he looks very, very impressive right now, uh, given that we thought maybe he was injured or hurting. Uh, looking pretty good. He's, he's taken it to the wall. Is he? I haven't watched the video yet. But, well, uh, he's on a slick surface, too. So people were saying, like, wow, if we, if we get a Grand Slam on ice, he's going to dominate. <laughs> <laughs> and that reminds me of John McEnroe saying that if tennis was played on ice, Canada would have a Grand Slam champion. Yes, that's well, right. Well, it looks like we were able, we were able to do that without resorting to that surface fortunately enough right now the one uh, medium we have not transitioned to and it's not in my immediate plans is tiktok and i feel like athletes are already converging on this new social media platform which is basically like short form little 15 second videos often people are sort of mixing in funny punchlines in the final couple seconds uh i'm not ready for it yet and it would be- i don't understand it at all dude. <laughs> i gotta tell you like I'm, I've watched some of them and I still couldn't like describe to someone what is a TikTok. I'm certainly never going to try TikTok and that's it. I've crossed over the threshold. I am now that guy or of that age group where I can shake my finger and say like, oh, we don't need that. Back in my day, it was so much better with yeah. ICQ and Messenger and whatever else I got started with, I guess. But uh, Go ahead. Tell me about TikToks, Ben. You can do one for the podcast if you want. Well, I'm stunned that it was released a few years ago, uh, apparently. Uh, But it's a video sharing social networking service. And uh, you you post and share, hopefully, amusing videos and just sort of quick hit form. There's there's not much uh, dialogue in, in any other sense, you're not really writing out a message to the world. You're just sharing a, a funny video. And I, I find a lot of people are doing interesting parodies, maybe impersonations and celebrities are all over it. And it feels like some of these followings that are created on TikTok, you see someone on, on Twitter who has like 10,000 followers. They do a couple funny videos on TikTok and suddenly they have 100,000 followers. So, okay, maybe we do need to do it. Yeah, and in, in that sense, maybe we have to get on there, but uh, I'm not quite ready for it yet. Clearly, uh, you're not. But, <laughs> but yeah, get back to me. Get back to me during month two of this quarantine isolation. When you're really thing, desperate. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but yeah. anyway, we we thank uh, Sharon Fitchman uh, for coming on the podcast this week, along with uh, her husband Dylan Moscovich. And big thank you to our listeners who joined us on the program, uh, Leon, Dean, and Katie. Uh, great to see that they're all all doing okay and uh we're doing okay as well and happy to right. still deliver weekly podcasts yeah we're gonna keep going right there's no uh no chance of us slowing down right now because like i said i i look forward to this even more than i used to so if we didn't do a weekly podcast i would be uh, i would not be doing as well as i am 
And uh, did you want to also mention before we wrap up here the uh, the Yonex uh, promotion yes. coming to a close soon? Yeah, so I, I will just mention there is still one bonus week left uh, to get on our Instagram Matchpoint Canada and go to Yonex Canada, share your photo with the hashtag Matchpoint Canada Yonex, and you'll still have a chance to to enter the promotion for a free E Zone racket. So uh, we're we're extending one extra week if you want a chance to to win a free racket. Uh, yeah. Please check us out on Instagram. It's a free stick. We can't guarantee when you're going to be able to use it next, but um, when we do come out of this, and we will, um, I think, yeah, someone's going to be pretty happy to have this in their hands, and you get to decide which E-Zone racket it is, so whatever you know, color or specs you want, then uh, go for it. We'll pass that information along, and it will be delivered to your front door. Exactly. Thank you so much uh, for listening to Matchpoint Canada. We will talk to you next time. Legend of the Phoenix All ends with beginnings What keeps the planet spinning Uh, The force from the beginning